Welcome to the Charlotte is Creative podcast. Today's show features hosts Tim Miner and Matt Olin talking with Mark Williams of the Shakespeare in a Chair project immediately following the August 4th Creative Morning Charlotte event at Warehouse 242. Mark Williams founded Shakespeare in a Chair as a way to expose kids to the timeless literature of Shakespeare using the familiar setting of the barbershop. After a career with Core TV and Charlotte Center City Partners, Mark wanted to use Shakespeare as a way to empower children with language and storytelling, and he illustrated that by bringing several children up from the program to speak at his Creative Mornings presentation. Remember to RSVP for the next Creative Morning Charlotte event, Friday, September 8th at Warehouse 242, and featuring photographer Nelson Morales as the speaker on the global theme of compassion. Register for this free event by visiting charlotteiscreative.com at 9 a.m. Monday, September 1st. Hey everybody, it's Tim Miner. And it's Matt Olin. And we are happy to be back with another amazing bone-crushing edition of the Charlotte is Creative <laughs> podcast. Bone, bone crushing? Uh, I think we're going to throw out some knowledge that is going to crush some craniums today. Wow, I'm into it. This is, that's, that's great. Cool. Yeah. Bring it. As always, the man that makes it happen, Andy Go. Oh, it's go time. <laughs> You've been waiting for a while to say that I'm one. I'm working on that one. I'm sure Andy has never heard that <laughs> in his entire life. You guys missed me last month, didn't you? We did. <laughs> yes, we, we did, did miss you. Allie did an admirable job. But, she did. But, she was you awesome. Know, it's, you know, there's only one, Andy Go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's ju- Matt, let's jump right on into it because we've got an amazing speaker to talk to you today. So not more than a half an hour ago, we had our uh, August Creative Mornings Charlotte um, event. Our speaker was Mark Williams, who's our guest on the podcast today, and we were exploring the, our global theme of genius. And you'll know why Mark is a perfect uh, fit, and Mark's story and his program is a perfect fit for that theme in just a minute. But uh, at any rate, I won't read his whole uh, bio, uh, but uh, you know he hails from New York City, which uh, those experiences played a, uh, in a pivotal part in your um, in your story this morning. That the the crowd was just loving that sort of the way you were sort of teasing them through that um, unveiling of of how it led you to that moment. So that was really cool. You were the director of business development for Charlotte Center City Partners for a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've worked for court, uh, Courtroom Television Network, Showtime Networks, and notably, in 2015, you were recognized by Fast Company Magazine in their annual list of the 100 most creative people in business. So really awesome to have you here. Awesome to count you as one of our fellow creative Charlotte citizens, Charlotteans. And um, thank you for wowing the crowd with your program, your story, and the kids that you work with this morning. It was really awesome. One thing I'd say before Mark jumps in is, this is a good point in the in the podcast. Stop and, and go and watch the video of Mark's presentation, not yeah. only to see what he had to say, but he brought some incredible students with him who, I mean, I think most adults would absolutely melt in front of an audience that like they they had this morning and yeah. they they killed some Shakespeare. And I think as you as you listen to this podcast and hear what Mark has to say about his journey and his program, listening to him in that video and watching what he's done with these kids or what he's brought out of these kids really will inform what we talk about over the next couple of minutes. Yeah. And 
in part, this podcast is meant to be a companion piece to the videos that we put out of each uh, speaker every month. So watch the video, then listen to the podcast. We're not going to come, you know, rappel down your wall and, 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 you know, haul you off to creative jail if you don't w- listen to them <laughs> in that particular order. But that would be the recommended <laughs> recommended order. You know, creative jail. Yeah. That, that sounds like something that the cur- current administration is probably dreaming <laughs> up right now. Like, how can we how can we lock up people to think differently in creative jail? It'd be exactly. huge. It'd be it's huge. A genius idea. It'd be huge. All right. All right. So with that, welcome Mark Williams. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. Matt and Tim. I'm uh, happy to be here. And uh, I thought the presentation went really, really well. I'm very excited for the program as well as the kids, uh, not just the ones that came out, but those kids who are back at home still putting the work in, those kids that are transitioning from one grade to the next. But at the core, these kids uh, are amazing. And I appreciate them um accepting my idea and wanting to be a part of this and, 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 and really helping them, uh, helping them move forward in their lives. Yeah. Well, it is evident that that's happening and it's just the power of Shakespeare, the power of creativity, and you're, you're harnessing it for, um, for the benefit of these kids. It's, and and for our city as a whole. So it's, it's really cool. Now, before we dive further into the program, we're going to do the warm-up round. The lightning round. The lightning round. Oh, need, All right, Mark. We need a sound effect for that. Yeah, we do. Go. Andy, go. Go. <laughs> this is what happens when your hosts don't tell your technical producer <laughs> ideas that they're going to have in advance. Right. So good. We'll, go, we'll take with that. We'll All right. That. Mark, so what we're going to do is is we're going to throw out some questions. Okay. You don't have to think about it very long. Just first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Sure. These are some softballs. Okay. All right. Here we go. What is your hometown? Queens, New York. All right. What's your favorite Shakespeare play? Julius Caesar. All right. Matt, wait. What's your favorite Shakespeare play? Coriolanus. Mine's Titus Andronicus, but it is. It wow, is, bloody. I lo- it's the Pulp Fiction of, of uh, Shakespeare plays. It is. Plays. It is. Mine is like the Saving Private no, Ryan of Shakespeare plays. I, I love know. Coriolanus. We can, so that's I. a whole other podcast we'll do with Mark another right. time. Um, Mark, if you could play one role on stage or in a movie, what would it be? Shakespearean role. Shakespearean role. That's a good one. Uh, I would like to play Caesar, Julius Caesar. <laughs> Why not? All right, Caesar. I, like I know it. I die at the end, but uh, well, what, a de- what a death scene. Yeah. I'll make the most of my minutes, of my time. Totally. totally. So Caesar. This, this is where I tell you that my mom, and this is no lie, was born on the Ides of March. So oh. I do beware the Ides but, of March. But actually, you know, what, what I've learned through this process is that everybody knows Julius Caesar and Brutus, but there are so many other characters. Like there's a character in Julius Caesar called Automodorus, and he's the one that tries to warn Caesar as he's walking up the steps and uh, he says, uh, take my petition. And Caesar says, no. And then Caesar ultimately dies. So I, 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 I like some of those characters. Mm-hmm. The soothsayer, the eyes of March. Isn't uh, Sinner the Poet is a character in Julius Caesar, Sinner right? a poet, yes. Yeah, I remember st- we studied him quite a bit. In, in I don't college. remember. That's Automodorus? Yeah, is that Auto- the name? Automodorus, yeah. So you would either play Automodorus or Caesar. You could go like title role or, you know, chorus. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, exactly. it would be very interesting if there was the same character. Yeah, if Automodorus was in Caesar's head warning him, and Caesar says, "No, I'm not. I'm not down with that." Yeah, right. All right. So <laughs> we're gonna shift. So all of us have daughters. 
Yes. But yours are older than ours. Please give us advice. Well, I mean, yours are older than ours. Sorry. Well, we need well, we need your sage wisdom. I, I have three daughters and a son, and they're 13, 15, and 16. And, you know, um, it's really important that as parents, we just spend time and encourage and motivate and um, just be there for them. But really, there's there's no magic, no magic pill. Just encourage them. Uh, they've been participating in my program for three years, and it's actually strengthened our relationship. Because think about it. Think about this real quick. Uh, King Lear has three daughters. Two of his daughters turn against him. My wife and I have three daughters. So one day we were sitting down on the couch saying, you know, we know two of y'all are already scheming against us. <laughs> Don't do it. You know, so Shakespeare allows us to have conversations as a family that we may not have had. Um, but really, it's just spending quality time. Nice. Love it. All right, Mark. Speaking of barbershops. Okay. Have you ever had an embarrassing haircut? Oh, plenty. All right. <laughs> What's the most embarrassing hear haircut it, you've ever had? Uh, probably a mohawk. Oh. That I thought would look good, uh, but ultimately didn't. I don't, I don't know if I'll blame the barber or the shape of my head. Um, I'll say it was, you know, I'll just say mohawks are for some people, but they're not for everyone. Was it a tall one or was it the Mr. T kind of the faux hawk? close? That was, yeah, Mr. T's was, was just kind of like cut in there. It was like a stripe. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. yeah. Matt, right. what was your, your Not a lot of thought went into brother. that, but um I know. went the uh I went the Mohawk route for a while too. I had a Billy Idol bleach white Mohawk at one wow. point. Yeah, which wow. was um something. And then I think I had a purple one at one point or something. I can't remember. You accessorized your hair. I yeah, something like that. It I, was my, it was a phase. Mine was the the Seattle like Fairly short in the back, but I grew the front out really long, so it like touched my. So you had the curtains that you had to separate in front of your face to talk. Yeah, and, like a sheepdog. So did you ever man. have a rat tail? <laughs> no, no, no. I did. I did. I I drew the line at the rat tail. Mark, no rat tail. No, okay. <laughs> me neither. All right. So in in your years, you were at, you were at a court TV for six years. Yes. Right? What was the craziest case you had on on the network during that time? Well, we actually had a lot of uh, cases that I recall. Uh, we had the uh, Diane Zamora case, which was the case where a young lady was in the Naval Academy. Yeah, and, I that. Uh, uh, her boyfriend was in the, uh, it was out of Texas. He was in the Air Force Academy and they conspired to kill a girlfriend and, yeah. uh, and they wind up, uh, wind up getting convicted. Uh, I was there during all the Convorkian trials. Wow. Um, it, there were so many cases and obviously OJ. Um, but, it, you know, one of the things I learned from Court TV is that crime doesn't pay. I mean, if nothing else, crime doesn't pay. That, that Diane, you know, to your point that you made today about that just Shakespeare is being so universal, right. that Zamora case, that's so Shakespearean, that case. Like, mm -hmm. he, if he were around now, he would, he would, I think he would have written about that. I mean, just, just all the drama that was wrapped up into that. Oh, yeah. There were some fascinating cases. Um, but ultimately, it's sad because it's still real life. Right. Um, it's it's somebody's life, but uh, it's just the decisions that people decide to make, and um, they're not always good decisions. No. All right, you've produced a lot of events in Charlotte. You were with Charlotte City Partners for a while. Do you have a favorite Charlotte event that you helped produce or bring to reality? Yes, actually, the the one event that's uh, that sticks out is uh, First Night Charlotte, mm. and I was I was very fortunate to have worked on four or five First Nights. And their uh, New Year's Eve events, 
and we had some great partners and free events and they're citywide. And this is a New York City. It's a, a, a Charlotte event that's for kids. And it was an all day event, all night event. We had some great talent, um, but it was just well organized, well programmed, well attended, and it was free. And it was on New Year's Eve, and it ended with fireworks, as all New Year's Eve events should. As mm. all good events, yep. should. Is that, yep. Yeah, ex- exactly. And you guys brought that back too. I mean, that had fall, hadn't fortunately had kind of fallen out for a number of years. You guys had a, yes. had a job to kind of rejuvenate it. Yes, right? yes. Well, you know, uh, being at Center City Partners, one thing I learned that uh, it had to be intentional about planning and and bringing people to town, and and regardless of where they were from. I mean, I grew up in New York City, and and uh, I didn't mention it today, but I've seen hundreds of fireworks displays, many, many Thanksgiving Day parades. So that's part of the culture. That's what brings people to the city is, you know, what are some of the amenities? What are some of the fun things? But first night, I will always be proud of that event and, and very fortunate and blessed that I was a part in, in producing that event. And, and my kids and I, we talk about it all the time. I got T-shirts and things, and um, it, it's just... Uh, you know, this is a wonderful city, um, and I was just glad to be a part of it. Beautiful, awesome. I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and get into the meat. That was that was a good that was a good light. Yeah, I feel like session. yeah, the bra- the brains are warmed up now. So, all right. So these are more you know long long form questions. Don't feel like you know you gotta you know. And if you don't truncate. like the question, you can throw it the bottle of water at us. And you can say pass. Just, yeah, pass. Sure. Throw a bottle of water. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Um, so, Mark, you said in your talk today that everyone has a Shakespeare story. Um, what's yours? Well, you know, my Shakespeare story, I have to be honest, I don't think I developed a Shakespeare story until I started this program. Mm -hmm. I think that the Shakespeare stories that I have, um, I learn a new one every day because Mm -hmm. in the last three years, I've taken my family up to the Folgers Library in Washington, D.C. for research. I've gone to a couple of, I visited some uh, professional Shakespeare productions, but really it's, it's being around the time that I spend with these kids and I see their eyes light up, yeah. I, I, I see that light bulb go, go off in, in their heads. So for me, the Shakespeare stories, my Shakespeare story is, is still evolving and growing uh, because there's always new experiences. And it's not really mine. It's, it's more so the kids. Um, I just happen to have that front row seat and, and watch that. You know, yeah. One thing that that and just because of time, you weren't able to kind of delve into it very much. But one thing that fascinated me and talking to you before this was the fact that before you start working with the kids, you and and your three the three barbers that you're friends with decided to read Othello together. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience and kind of what it? Because you ended up going to see the production and and all that kind of what what was that draw that experience out for us? Because I think it's remarkable. You, you know, I felt uh, right from the beginning that um, if kids were to come in, I wanted the barbers to at least have some knowledge. So just to get us all off on a, on a great start, we decided to read Othello together. And it was very appropriate because Othello is a Moor, he's African, and he's a general of the Venetian army. And then he winds up marrying Desdemona, who was Venetian. And um, that's mainly the story. And then there are some folks who were jealous and um, Othello had a very, very tough life. But in terms of doing it at the barbershop, whenever a kid, the way I conceived it was that when a child came to the barbershop, and sat in the chair, at, at, at least the barbers can share with them their stories, their, exp- hey, let me tell you about Othello or Iago or Rodrigo or Desdemona or some of the other characters, um, just to really connect with that child. So I didn't want the child thinking that, hey, why do I got to do it if you didn't do it? 
So the fact that the barber, barbers and I all read it and then went to see a production of Othello by the Charlotte Ballet was just that was just the, the icing on the cake um, in terms of our cohesiveness and, and, and bonding as as men. Yeah. You know, I just quickly. One of the things that, I, that I've heard and you just hit on it so so much there is that, you know, kids are as adults. I think we like to think that kids kids don't get everything right. We're so much smarter than they are. They're so perceptive. And that's so important that what you just said, that they have to know that adults buy into this, because if adults say you got to do this, but then they watch and see that you're not doing that or that you don't place a value on that, it undermines everything you're trying to do. So creating that bond and showing them that it means something to you, it means something to the barbers and therefore they should pay attention. That was such a critical step, I think, in that journey. That's brilliant. And, and, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why um, even today um, I did not recite because, you know, the shine is about the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, in order to convince these kids that they needed to learn to read and recite, I had to do it. You had to model it for them. Exactly. Certain, yeah. Exactly. But but, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about it uh, during the presentation. But but let me just kind of break this down really, really quick. Um, one, one of the things that's an outcome of of this program with the kids is that it's a step-by-step process. These kids are learning how to accomplish goals, right? So first I'm teaching them to read Shakespeare, and then I'm teaching them to write, uh, recite, and then I'm teaching them to understand, right? So those are three goals that they're accomplishing without even realizing it. So the next step for, for me and my team is to say, hey, now that you've done this, how can we apply these skills you've learned to accomplish other goals? So see, even without them realizing it, these kids are learning uh, the steps to success. How do I accomplish things? And that's the way to do it. You do it in steps. Beautiful. Well, you know, for those of you who have not watched the video yet, or or if you have, um, you'll know that one of the beautiful things about Shakespeare in a Chair is that you're really wielding the power of Shakespeare, of, of drama, to change the minds of these kids. Um, they're, they're thinking differently. They're boosting certain skills. And I believe in ways that are incredibly relevant to the exact challenges of our city right now, things that the Opportunity Task Force are delving into, this fits so perfectly, so snugly with those initiatives that it's it's exciting to see like what's possible here. Um, so I'm curious, like, how has Charlotte embraced your idea? And talk to us about what the challenges are and what the opportunities are at this point. Well, I think uh, my goal and what I've been doing these last three years is that rather than put myself out there in front of the business community or educational community, I decide to develop an excellent program first. Um, It's hard to get folks on board. Charlotte is not really that kind of town or this kind of town where people kind of jump in, but before they really understand what they're getting into. So although I, Everyone knows me here in town within the business community. I've worked with a lot of businesses. My first priority was to build an excellent program. Now I think it will be a lot easier now that folks have have an opportunity to see what we're doing. Um, you know, some of the some of the challenges and struggles are like any new nonprofit is is financing and funding. Um, but I think that this is a program that that's that's worthy of that, particularly in light of some of the issues that we're dealing with. And let me take it a step further. And I've not said this to, I've said this to just a, a few people. Um, I believe that this program 
can be the mechanism for literally bringing this community together across racial boundaries, across uh, across mm-hmm. income ba- boundaries, and and that's a lot that the economic mobility study uh, is 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 addressing. How do we bring this community together? Well, let me just say this very quickly. Um, Shakespeare can be that focal point that we can all talk about. There are certain things we can't talk about. Can't talk politics, can't talk race, um, but Shakespeare is neutral. Shakespeare hasn't offended anybody. Shakespeare doesn't take a position. Um, so my ultimate goal is to use this program as a way of bringing this community together. Yeah, and what's cool is that these quote-unquote taboo topics, race, politics, and the like, are, as you made very clear in your in your presentation this morning, baked into the work of Shakespeare. Yeah. So it, it Shakespeare provides a way for us to go to those places together as a community and even address and explore some of those tricky topics. Yeah, Shakespeare's a proxy on that. It's almost like, yeah. I mean, it's making it, it's, it's, deflecting it so you can talk about it without without some of the uncomfortable you know being yeah. so overt about it and i think it starts to crack the shell a little bit like get some of those conversations going in a way that doesn't send people running to their corners right right yeah. so you know if if there's a shakespeare event in town i believe that more people are tend to would tend to, to come and 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 check it out and the fact that this is being developed and nurtured in this community um, is just wonderful. And and also think about the bridge that these kids are going to be able to cross over when they get to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I read Shakespeare. Oh, really? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I have a relationship with Shakespeare as well. So see, Shakespeare um, helps in so many ways and so many facets that I'll never know about. But it's just having it in your back pocket, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think too, it, it's going to work both ways. Like we had a room full of I think creatively and and culturally minded people today, but Shakespeare can be this intimidating thing for a lot of folks. And I I dare say that today after watching kids engage so vibrantly with, with the works of the Bard, there are going to be some people going home, maybe thinking, maybe I need to give Shakespeare another chance because they've, they've allowed themselves to be intimidated by it. You, You know, um, I hear that all the time. And prior to this project, I was intimidated by it as well, but this is what I've learned. Uh, make it fun and and do it in bite sizes. You don't have to read a whole play. Learn a passage, yeah. just a passage, 15 lines. And that's what I'm doing with some of my elementary school kids. We're not taking on a whole play. It, it's too much. I've, I've done it. It doesn't work. But if you take a passage, through the passage, you learn the characters, you learn the themes, and and... You know, then you learn another passage. Yeah. So rather, you know, do it in bite sizes. That's what I've learned. Well, the language, the language is so rich too that you could spend anyone, even an adult, could spend weeks diving into one fifteen line passage and learn more things. If you're if you're talking about maybe reciting it publicly, you know, learning different ways to do that. Those kids just crushed it today, and it's just so. It was just so cool to see them dive into that language and that. Really cool. But way, I, and, and I know that they're going to hold on to it because you know, one of the things Matt and I have been friends for a long time and we took a lot of classes together in college. And but the one that we remember is we took we took a Shakespeare class with Professor Reed Barber and Reed Barber. It, Reed, if you're listening, a that's weird. B, <laughs> <laughs> B you made an impact. Um, I mean, we we talk about even now as in our 40s, like the the plays that we studied and the things that we learned, he, it made 
they bonded us in a, in a different. Oh my way. gosh! And he Shakespeare. He made Shakespeare, Shakespeare so fun. Like he would go up. He was he was <laughs> like Robin Williams in Dead Poets Society. He would go up there and recite Shakespeare to our college class in ways that you were just riveted, right? And he would also talk so fast. One of the things that we used to joke about was that Reed Barber, <laughs> like for example, Shylock in Merchant of Venice, there's that line, and I'm paraphrasing, it's like, do not say I will not have my bond, I will have my bond. And he would say it so fast, like, do not say I'm bond, I don't have my bond. And that turned into, over time, do the ball, ball, do the ball, ball. Yeah, and then, yeah, so, and Matt and I even now will be like, do the ball, ball. Yeah. Which is, I don't you know, we have that weird shorthand that we have. So, no, so we, at we, any we, rate, we veered away from, but I think you have that. We saw that you have that you you make those words come alive and those kids, you could just tell they found the meaning. They, they have a connection to that. Yeah. Who was the one with the red messages. shirt on? Right. Remind me that, um, it was a second to last one. Tyron. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. he brought like so much inflection. I mean, they were all great. Right. But there was like some little extra dialed up energy yeah. with, with Tyron. Yeah. There was a little nervous energy, but it was awesome. You know, he's very outgoing. I mean, all of them. Those are three brothers, and they're all outgoing. But they put the work in. And um, what's what's really nice though is that there's so many tools to use. So with Julius Caesar, there's a production that I have that I've watched probably a hundred times with Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's wonderful. You can't actually there's a production of Al Pacino in Merchant of Venice. I, I, I love that one. You know, I have productions of King Lear. I have productions of Tempest and um, they're so rich. Yeah. Mine so. will always be Kenneth Branagh's Henry V because I went I remember seeing that at the Manor Theater. And oh, just yeah. Loving it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Then he made Frankenstein. And OK, we won't talk about okay. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, so I think one of the we've got two more questions one of the other pieces that that you were able to talk a little bit about but it's it's the relationship that you had with Bernie Simmons sure and I, I th- you know question I have for you is how important are those mentoring relationships in the development of somebody's creative potential because she you know obviously you met her as an adult but that was it sounds like that was a to some degree a mentoring relationship and really has borne some amazing fruit. Absolutely. Um, Bernie's been very uh, important in in my life as an adult, um, particularly in transition into this new city as well. But to have these lunch conversations over and over and over. And she says, um, you know, when I was a child, my parents uh, introduced me to Shakespeare. That told me that it's not too late for my children and many others. Yeah. Um, I did not think that I would be as invested as I am. Um, I thought, you know, I can get these kids doing it. I, I don't really need to know and understand. But every time I open a page, I learn something different. So Bernie, because she's been doing it all her life, I, you know, and, and sitting down with her, I see the importance of learning it as early as possible. Um, so for the rest of her, you know, with all these kids, they're going to be able to read Shakespeare with intelligence for the rest of their lives. So I've done it now at, at 55 years old. and But my daughters and these other kids are starting at nine years old, you see. So they will never be intimidated by Shakespeare because I was reading Hamlet and Macbeth and Julius Caesar when I was nine. Mm. Uh, so that's why it's important because Bernie helped me realize that it's never too late. So I'm taking this journey as well. I tell everybody, I when I started this three, I was not a Shakespearean. I consider myself one now because of all the research and things that I've done. 
But um, it was important to, to have her. If it was if it wasn't for her, I would not have this program. Mm. And she was in the audience today, That's so she great. got to hear it. So cool that she was here. All right. In closing, we take we like to end on this sort of a, of a note. Okay. Um, Mark, what advice do you have for Charlotte, for our city? Or the people, the people that make it up? Um, I love this city. I've been in the city 14 years. And um, I think if I had to give advice is to just be open to new ideas. And we say that we are. I just don't know how much so. Um, and, and, and I say that because of my journey the last three years. Um, but yet, this is a can-do city. And I'm very optimistic that not just with my program, um, but with all the other programs and ideas. But I think we just need to do a better idea of, of, of adopting programs. And, and they don't always have to be fully flushed. Right. I think the best programs and ideas are those that, well, you know, I, I, I had this idea. Let, let's try it. So I've learned these last three years that experimentation is not a bad thing. Actually, experimentation is a good thing. And even if it leads to failure, because the sooner you fail, then the sooner you know how to fix it. Mm. And that's what I think we need to do a better job. But this is uh, this is my New hometown, I love it, and I want nothing but the best for this city. Well, you know, I love the advice of be open to new ideas, and it fits perfectly with this theme of genius, the reason why we, we brought you in to tell us about Shakespeare in a Chair, because in that moment, in the, in the barbershop, you yourself were open to new ideas. You had that idea, what can we do with this idle time? And it, it gave birth to a new program. And I, as we saw in the presentation today, we're learning more right now, I feel like Shakespeare in a chair, everything you're doing in Greer Heights and in the in the schools is an important part of Charlotte's unfolding story, can be an increasingly more important part of Charlotte's unfolding story. And so we hope that more and more people and organizations support Shakespeare in a chair. And to that end, let's close with the thing we announced at the end of the presentation. Today. To, but Mark's got one last thing he wants to oh, say. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to know who's going to sign this genius card now. <laughs> <laughs> Who signs this? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know about that. Andy, go. But what we will sign is uh, a, a check to Shakespeare in a Chair for two hundred and fifty dollars um, today at our at our Creative Mornings meeting. We're very excited. We announced the unveiling of our Hug Micro Grant Program. Hug stands for Helpful Unfettered Gift, uh, and at Creative Mornings, we say we are about hugs and high fives. Every month, we're going to give out two. $250 grants to uh, a creative individual or organization that's doing incredible or, or insightful or experimental work in Charlotte. And that's, you know, $250 is not a, is not a fortune, but it might be something that enables you to, to move an idea forward or just support an existing program that you had. And I, you are beyond you a so worthy, uh, a worthy recipient of that. The of inaugural that hug. Thank you so much. You got it. Of course. Well, thank you for being a part of, our August Creative Mornings Charlotte event. Um, we're going to be cheering you on as you Thank continue you. Uh, your journey. We're family now. We are. You're in. You're. You. If you look out, you can see lots of former um, speakers from Creative Morning Charlotte in the uh, in the audience, and so we hope to nice. continue to see your uh, face out I'll there be here. as well. And now I think it's time that we bid adieu. Adieu. Yes. Tomorrow is that, a, is that Shakespeare? To, yes, it is. Yeah. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And I've now forgotten the rest of that. Okay. Message. Hopefully Reed has turned this podcast off. Yeah, because Reed, would... I'm sorry, buddy. 
<laughs> All right. Another one in the record books. All right. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Mark. Okay. We'll, we'll you see you next, next month. month. Thanks again to Mark Williams of Shakespeare in a Chair for speaking with us and thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the Charlotte is Creative podcast. Let us know what you think by tweeting us at CM underscore CLT and using the Charlotte is Creative hashtag. Remember to mark your calendars for Friday, September 8th at 830 in the morning at Warehouse 242, 2307 Wilkinson Boulevard where photographer Nelson Morales will speak on the global theme of compassion. For more from Charlotte is Creative, check out charlotteiscreative.com. <laughs>